0: Thank you for joining us for the lessons from First Naz Podcast. Romans uh, is a book that Pastor Paul has begun to lead us through, and this morning I want to work work us through a few verses that are in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and I'll be reading uh, verses 1 through 11. We, we probably won't get to all of them, but... Uh, Romans 5, beginning with verse 1, reads this way, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Don't you like those words, friends of God? and the meaning that is wrapped up in, in all of those. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in these moments ahead, I pray that you would take the words of Scripture that we have been blessed with, and I pray that, that uh, as I share with our folk today, that that unique message from you, that you have for each one here, will come through in sharp focus, and people will hear the voice of their loving Heavenly Father speaking to them today. I pray in these minutes ahead, Lord, you will use these words for your glory, and we give you thanks for what you're going to do. In your name we pray, amen. I think that we find some of the most powerful and comforting truths in the Bible Uh, in these words of Scripture that that we just read this morning. The Apostle Paul, in his writing to the church at Rome, uh, thus far he's been going through these first four chapters in the letter, dealing with the matter of justification. Justification, the process by which we acknowledge and repent of our sins, and ask Christ to come into our hearts, the process wherein we're made right with God. Now Paul begins to make comments regarding the benefits that result from the faith that we have placed in our Heavenly Father, in God. I suppose we all wonder about the matter of benefits at at various times in our lives, uh, if we're considering a new place of employment or a new position working elsewhere, uh, we're going to wonder about the benefits that may, may go with that position, that may go with that job. If we're considering a move to a new home, we're going to wonder what kind of benefits there will be for us that would, would be better than where we're at right now. If we're considering an insurance policy, we wonder about the benefits we want to know what they are, uh, when they come into, into focus, when they come into effect, when, uh, when we could use them. Advertisers are blasting away at us all the time regarding the multitude of benefits they attempt to convince us are associated with whatever product or service it is that, that they're selling. They hope to convince you and me that The benefits make all the difference, and uh, we'll want whatever it is that they have to offer. Even the Apostle Paul gets into the benefits bit, and uh, this whole matter of of benefits that result from faith that we have placed in God uh, come into focus as he gives us these words that we read a few moments ago. We simply don't have the time, in fact, today to go through uh, all of the benefits, but we're going to touch on several that are commented on, uh, particularly in the first few verses in Romans 5. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5 tell us again, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace. Peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. In other words, he tells us that the first result of justification or this matter of being made right with God is peace with God. Uh, that word peace was in some of our singing this morning. Uh, if you go through the New Testament and even in the Old, you'll find the word peace uh, time and time again. The meaning of peace with God is, is really striking. Uh, peace with God doesn't mean some kind of escapism or a quiet atmosphere. It doesn't mean the absence of trouble. It doesn't mean or refer to the control that we may attempt to get over situations by some kind of positive thinking, the denial of problems, or any supposed ability we think we might have to keep from facing reality. No, absolutely not. Paul has a far different message in these words that we have read this morning. Peace with God means the sense and knowledge, first of all, that a person has a restored relationship with God. That's right at the top of the list. It also means that a person is no longer alienated and separated from God. Peace with God means the sense and the knowledge that a person is now accepted by God. It also means that a person is reconciled with God. And then we change it just the color of all of this just a little bit because uh, peace with God means the sense and the knowledge that a person is freed from the wrath and the judgment of God. A person is freed from fearing God, fearing God's wrath and his judgment. And a person is now pleasing God. And finally, just simply put, a person is at peace with God. The source of this peace is Jesus Christ. You and I can have peace with God only because of him. It is Christ himself who reconciles us with God. He has made peace possible by His blood that was shed on the cross at Calvary. I'm going to give you, be giving you some little snippets of other verses from the New Testament uh, in the next few minutes. One of those is from Ephesians 2.14 where we read the words, For He Himself is our peace. I, w- I would say the second result of justification or being right with God, made right with God, regards access into the grace of God. The New International Version uh, reads this way in verse 2. It says, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Grace means a gift or a favor. It's an unmerited, unearned, undeserved gift or favor. In the present passage, uh, grace is looked upon as a place or a position. Grace is a place to which we are brought. It's a position into which we're placed. It is the place of God's presence. It is the position of salvation. And if we were to just simply make a list of of uh, things that, uh, or things that happen when a person is justified or made right with God, the person who who has given their lives to Him, who is right with God, first stands in God's presence. We don't have to be afar off and looking at God from a distance. Uh, he's right here with us this morning. He's right next to you in your pew where you're seated. He's present here. A person who is right with God stands before God saved. Your sins have been forgiven. You know him personally. A person who's right with God stands in the favor of God, stands in the privileges of God, And finally, we could say they stand in the promises of God. And Scripture is filled with those promises. We were told in those verses that we read that it is through Christ that we have access into this grace. And the word access means to bring to, to move to, to introduce, or to present. And the thought is is, uh, that of being in a royal court and being presented to and introduced to the king of kings. Jesus Christ is the one who throws open the door into God's presence. He's the one who presents us to God, the sovereign majesty of the universe. In the, the little short book of Ephesians in the New Testament, Chapter 2, verse 18 reminds us that through him, meaning Christ, we have access to the Father. In 1 Peter, we read in chapter 3, verse 18, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. One of the things that comes to mind, and I was reminded of this week in preparing this message, is that. Uh, We stand in God's grace. In his presence, we stand. We're not bowed down. We're not intimidated. We're not stricken with fear. We're not humiliated. Christ has made us right with God. He's removed our guilt and shame, and he's given us great confidence before God. And therefore, we can take a stand of honor and dignity before him, standing in the perfect righteousness or rightness of the Lord Jesus. At the same time, we're not sitting or, or lying down, but we're standing. And this, this kind of pictures our service and labor for God. We're, bought, we're brought into his presence for the purpose of the service. And therefore, there's no time for sitting and lying around. We stand before him justified, right with God. But I would say that we stand, yes, but we stand waiting to receive our orders from him. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 tells us, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Another result of justification or being right with God that you and I experience is simply a little four-letter word with tremendous meaning, and it's the word hope. Hope. When when Scripture speaks of the Christian's hope, uh, it doesn't mean the same thing that it would for a non-Christian in the world today. The hope of the world is a desire or a want. The world hopes, it wants, desires that something will happen. But that's not the hope of the believer in Jesus Christ. The hope of the believer is what we might call a surety. It is perfect assurance, confidence, and knowledge. How can hope be so absolute, so assured? Well, for one thing, it's an inward possession, it's in, in our hearts and souls. The Christian's hope is based upon the presence of God's Spirit who dwells within us. And in fact, the believer possesses the hope of glory only by the Spirit of God which dwells in us. Bonnie and I uh, had been acquainted with uh, with a couple, and this has been a good many years ago now. And uh, they attended a, a different church. It was here on Northwest District, but we were acquainted with them, and Bonnie and I got the news that they had been to a church service that was on a Sunday evening uh, So, you know, it was years ago when churches had regular Sunday evening services, and uh, they were at a Sunday evening service, and at the close of the service, the couple was visiting in the foyer of the church, and again, it wasn't here, not in this church, it was a different one, visiting with the pastor and his wife, and and, uh, the two ladies kind of walked away a few steps, and the pastor and this man were talking and visiting, and they're conversation ended and, and uh, the pastor turned around and started to walk away and the man dropped to the floor. And uh, he was unconscious. They called for the ambulance and in a short time the MTs were there and began working on him, but uh, he had died of a massive heart attack. He never regained consciousness. And several months later, Bonnie and I were uh, at our at our Northwest District Assembly, and uh, we visited with this lady and uh, During our visit, she shared how, even while the paramedics were working on her husband there in the church foyer, she found herself being filled with an in her words a deep sense of peace that God was giving her. She said that peace. Has, had never left her in the intervening months since that had happened, and she had lost her husband. The peace had never gone. Oh, she misses her husband terribly, and she was experiencing uh, grief and dealing with the loss as anyone would, but she said she continued to experience the peace of a loving God, a loving Heavenly Father, the only one that can bestow such peace upon us. Remember, verse 1 that we read today said, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it goes on to say, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, I want to touch uh, touch on something else uh, this morning just just briefly uh, i 'll read verses three through five again uh, Again, Paul's talking to those people in the church. They're regular people like you and me in a sense. He says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and hope will not lead us to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us his holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love, to some folks reading Paul's writings, it might seem as if this man has just become a little bit more than radical in his thinking. He tells us what that Christians rejoice over their problems. I didn't hear anyone say, "Amen) <laughs> The King, James, the King James Version uses a word in place of rejoice that occasionally seems even more descriptive to me when we're talking about this or reading this verse. It's the word jubilant. Christians are, according to Paul in the King James Version, a group of people who are jubilant about all their problems. That can seem kind of far-fetched. I heard the, heard the story of a pastor who visited in the home of a family, and they had come to church for the very first time the previous Sunday. And on that particular day, there hadn't been any preaching. They had a quartet that was there singing, and so there had been, been a concert. But the pastor, as he vid- visited this new family that had come for that first service, uh, he asked, did you enjoy the service last Sunday? And the father answered, and he said, "'Oh, yeah, it was good, but what's going to happen next Sunday?' And the pastor said, "'Well, we're back to the preacher preaching.' And the man, the man asked, "'Well, what are you going to preach about?' pastor said, "'I'm going to preach from that great passage of Scripture that says Christians are learned to get excited about all their troubles.' And this man says, "'Boy, am I excited.'" And the man thought he's being kind of sarcastic. And the man says, no, I'm excited. I know all about troubles and trials. I've been experiencing them for the last 19 years. And the pastor thought, boy, he's, he thought, I'm going to catch it now. And this man started to talk to him and share with him. And in the minutes that followed, um, It turned out the man had really gone through some heart-wrenching and horrible things in his life and the life of their family over a period of a good many years. But the pastor said later that as this man shared their story or shared his story, uh, it wasn't gloom and doom that was coming through this account, through his spirit, through his eyes, through his voice, It was a very clear and vivid awareness that this man was sharing that he and God had been in all of this together. And in fact, it was obvious that he was an individual who had walked through life with an exciting awareness that God never allowed anything to come into his life that he and God together could not handle. And I have to ask myself, can... Can I live with that same assurance this morning? Do I live with that same assurance? The assurance that God will never allow anything to come into my life that that he and I can't handle together? Uh, I know some of you this morning here, no doubt, uh, have some pretty strong feelings relating to something like this and to these matters. Uh, You've struggled. You've faced harsh challenges in the months and years uh, leading up to this moment this morning. But let's take just just a few moments to consider this subject a little bit. Uh, one that's a, it's really of concern, of serious concern, or at least it should be, I think, to all of us. We hear the Apostle Paul talking a great deal uh, in the letters that he writes, in the scripture that he has penned, uh, divinely guided by the hand of God, we know, uh, he, he talks a lot about this matter of peace in the heart and the life of the individual who claims Jesus Christ as Savior. When we know that Jesus has forgiven us of our sins, when we've invited him into our hearts and said, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me, forgive me for all the wrong things I've done, then we have stepped into that holy place where we can go to the Heavenly Father with confidence, knowing that he is our loving Heavenly Father. He's the one who now delights to see us, to receive us, and in a a way beyond our highest imagination or expectations, he loves us more than we can really even comprehend. Sin, which had once placed a barrier between God and us, it's simply gone when we've become a child of God. We read about how Christians can have problems. And uh, I talked about it uh, just briefly a few moments ago. And someone might come up to me and say, Yeah, brother, I know about problems, I've got problems. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus told his disciples, and and you're familiar with this, no doubt, he said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world, amen. Our Lord was warning his, his disciples in that portion of scripture that Uh, they were going to be having some tough times in life. But at the same time, he was reminding them to take heart. As he had overcome the world, he had triumphed over Satan. Satan and all those he claimed as his own had lost. So why rejoice when problems come? Paul isn't telling us that we're to be glad when bad things happen to us. He doesn't mean that the moment these things happen to us, we should begin to thank God thoughtlessly. When a Christian becomes ill, or when things go wrong with him or her, uh, they aren't expected to enjoy those things. The Christian isn't expected to be reacting unnaturally or to be some kind of a psychological oddity when it comes to this matter of, hardship, and problems. But trials and tribulations tend to drive us back to God. God uses these tough times to work at perfecting us. And in fact, it's during times of struggle that we can become aware that God is so concerned for us and about us that he's perfecting us. He wants to bring us to that perfect image of his own dearly beloved son by driving us back to the Lord Jesus Christ, by showing God's love to us, by giving us fresh experiences of God's strength and grace and power, and grace and power that's just sufficient for every trial and every need. It's through the difficult times in life that we become more certain of God's love for us than at any other time. And therefore, we can truly, sincerely thank God for them. The writer of Psalms 119, uh, in verse 71, wrote these words. It was good for me to be afflicted. In other words, I'm better than I was. I'm more certain of God. I'm more certain that I'm his child. I'm more certain of his love. I am more certain of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we've been seated here this morning and as we've taken part in this service, there are some of you who probably were thinking about the miserable week you just walked through. You may have experienced some challenges that would not have been of your choosing. Uh, Maybe since walking into church, you've even wondered uh, when is it all going to end? Are things ever going to turn around for me? Is life ever going to get better? You may be feeling almost overwhelmed with all the difficulties which you're facing the struggles and obstacles that are ahead of you. Uh, You may be just sensing a deep frustration over everything that seems to be just surrounding you right now. You may be experiencing a spirit of sorrow in your heart that you just seem unable to be rid of. You may have prayed even this morning, Lord, won't you help me? Lord, how long is it going to hurt? Father, how much longer is this going to go on? I wonder if God isn't wanting you to hear the message this morning, something like this, My child, my child, do you know, do you really know how much I love you? Even amidst your loss, the hurt, the pain, the discomfort, the challenges, all that's gone wrong. Do you still know how much I love you? Because I love you, you can experience real peace, godly peace. You can experience the peace knowing that you're mine, you're my child. I believe that God is telling us or reminding us this morning uh, that he's always with us. He will never, ever leave us or forsake us. You'll have problems. We'll have problems. But we'll make it through with the peace of God and the hope that he gives us. Would you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the powerful words of Scripture, the powerful promises that you have blessed us with in these days in which we live. Uh, It's so wonderful to be able to pick up your word and read portions of Scripture like this where where we're reminded how much you love us. In spite of all that may be going on, you love us more than we can even comprehend or imagine. And we thank you for that. I pray, Father, that for the one that may be here this morning who's really feeling down and discouraged because of all that's gone on and all that is expected ahead, I pray that they can just take those burdens and innocence give them to you and say lord here they are take them please i trust you and as we go from this place lord remind us that we we don't walk away from you you walk out the door of this sanctuary hand in hand as it were with us in fact your arms are about us as we go out into this world and the week ahead of us and whatever lays ahead whatever comes were yours oh father encourage your people today would you bless them with the unique power of your presence within them and remind us again and again as this day goes forward and as we go into our week remind us lord how much you do love us Thank you, Father, for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. In your precious name, we ask this and pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.